all views and opinions in this podcast are not meant to offend or hurt the sentiments of including but not limited to any person living or dead religion or ethnic group community or country Indian food is so much more than dal butter chicken or samosa the average indian isn't even remotely aware of the tremendous culinary diversity the country has to offer if the average indian isn't aware the world surely hasn't a clue and on this podcast we're talking about all sorts of interesting regional indian cuisines that just don't get the love they deserve my name is rakshan bambot and this is beyond butter chicken One of the most popular regional Indian cuisines is the food from the state of West Bengal. There's just no denying a Bengali's passion for food and their cuisine in particular. So on this episode we're going to deep dive into the delicious world of Bengali fare. I didn't even have to think twice about who my guest for this episode would be as there's no one better than Kalyan Karmakar to take me through the nuances of his community's cuisine. Kalyan really needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. He's Mumbai's most prolific food blogger, author and podcaster. Kalyan is what I like to call an authority on good food, not just in the city but across the country. Kalyan, welcome to Beyond Butter Chicken. It is so wonderful to have you here. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much and thank you for all the misty words. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's it's a great pleasure to be here and I must tell people that uh, I'm not sure if the, I'm the ultimate authority because I've been a Bengali who's lived all over the world but as any Bengali I'm pretty passionate about uh, food and I've grown up in Calcutta and I keep going back including a, a week couple of weeks back when I went to meet my grandmom. You know, I've been following you. I mean, we've known each other almost 10 years now and I've been following you for so long. So for me, it's and I see all your stories, I mean, when you travel and even what you um put out your daily plate. So for me, you're really the authority on Bengali food. So let's just deep dive into this. How would you describe Bengali food for someone who has no idea who, who's never eaten it before? And what would you say are some of the culinary influences on the cuisine? It's a very interesting question and this sort of applies actually to not just Bengali food but if you were to say Maharashtrian Haryanvi or uh, Odia or anything like that mm-hmm. is that first of all um, you know the states in uh, in India are after India became a federal democracy was based on language so uh, earlier Bengal was an um, undivided sort of um, presidency of the under the British rule So first of all there are two bengals like you said west bengal which is actually now called just bengal yeah. but for many years uh, it was called west bengal because there's an east bengal which is now bangladesh Correct. right and and it's an independent country so in, in fact i was a bit shocked when i was reading in the early days of my blog in english um, indians refer to bengali food and then i saw it as the bangladeshis so i pointed it out to them so they said that um, you know to us the bengalis from india are indians mm-hmm. you know and and then the bengalis from bangladesh are bangladeshis that's uh, like bengalis while we look at them as bangladeshis it's it's more um, as it is in any place of india the food is very dependent on uh, the natural bounty so if okay. you see bengal there's a lot of uh, diversity and in fact i was reading chitra uh, banerjee's uh, memoirs uh, last night and she's really my role model and go to person for and i just discovered we are from the same college presidency so if if you look at it like in in bengal you have the hills which is the goas yeah. darjeeling and all of that and if you think of that i mean the equivalent of butter chicken over there is uh, momo yeah. then uh, you you have west bengal you know so if you go towards like shantiniketan and a district called rard it's like very hot over there the soil is red um, you know so uh, over there it's it's a lot about cooling foods and mm-hmm. pasto and stuff like that if if you go to the east bengal which is bangladesh uh, uh there's a lot of rivers over there so it's it's over there that the diet is very f- uh, fish based and a lot of people say seafood yeah. when it comes to bengali food but it's actually freshwater fish so seafood is a misnomer then okay. you will see that there's and i've seen this that there's a similarity between food in assam plains of assam and and east of bengal odia odisha and and bengal so it's it's a bit dif- difficult to define it but if i was to sort of say what what is the characteristic of the food of that region tea is based a lot on uh, natural uh, you know flora fauna fish and all of that it's not too heavy on uh, masalas it's, it's it's not too heavy on oil very different from what you get in uh, restaurants and so on Mm-hmm. and uh, there are few few dishes which are our equivalents of butter chicken and sushi which people they know bengali food for which is rasgulla and pasta mangso 
but there's a lot mm -hmm. more to it uh, than that. So could you name uh, some of the ingredients that you would find in a Bengali kitchen? You know, some things that are integral to the cuisine. So uh, first of all, oil. Uh, you know, the oil of choice is uh, mustard oil, uh, mm -hmm. you know, unrefined mustard oil. So that's changing a bit now. But otherwise, the oil of choice is uh, mustard oil. So people often associate mustard with Bengali food, but it's actually yeah. the oil. And, and there are a few dishes where ground mustard is used, not all. And, mm -hmm. and definitely not in the whole uh, format, the way it is in the west of India, the Tarka or South, very, very rarely. Okay. So, so that is one. Then there is the Kalojire, which is the Kalonji or Nijela seeds or Nigella, mm -hmm. which are two. Yeah. Uh, then there's a spice mix called Pachforan, which sort of differs from region to region, but but it'll have soft in it, it'll have Kalojire, it'll have a, you know, four or five other things. You can just uh, Google it. I, I just <laughs> buy it from the store. Yeah, I think uh, that's then, easier. Yes, I, I, I buy it from the store for people making it at home. The Bengali garam masala mix is a bit different from, say, what you'd have in Gujarat and all. It's mm -hmm. more basic. It's, it's just uh, cardamom, cinnamon, and uh, cloves. So it doesn't have too much of uh, the other stuff. And and then, of course, uh, you know, the staples of any Indian kitchen, which is um, red chili powder, which is, which is uh, of course, like when people say that potatoes are new and it's not authentic Bengali, but then by that logic, so is red chili powder. Yeah. So there's red chili... Uh, turmeric, ginger, garlic, so all of this. So it's, 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 yeah, it's the staples. But say, if I was to do a contrast with the, uh, say, the west or south of India, far less coconut, almost mm -hmm. more peanuts, mm -hmm. uh, you know. And uh, there's also use of couscous in the western part of Bengal, which yeah. is called posto, poppy seeds. Poppy seeds, so, uh, that's, yeah. I think that's the I, main I, I know ingredient. I'm leaving you confused without giving you a straightforward answers, but straightforward answers would be a bit glib and misleading. Yeah, I think also when it comes to most regional cuisines, there's really no straightforward answer. It's it's just yeah, an amalgamation yeah, yeah. of so many you, things. Imagine Maharashtrian food. I mean, Marathwara is so different from Malwa and from, uh, you know, Desh and so on. Okay, so I love that you brought up this fact about um, mustard because I wanted to ask you, you know, to non-Bengalis or people who are not familiar with the cuisine, we always think that, oh, all of Bengali food must have mustard. And you just mentioned that that's not true. It's actually the oil. And I know you've got um, mustard oil as well, but I know there's also kashundi, and I see that in so many other recipes. And maybe it's the restaurants that are sort of, um, you know, overplaying it a little bit. But I want to understand, um, because just because you brought that up, that it's not the mustard, but it's the mustard oil that goes in cooking. Could you elaborate a little? Yes. So for me, uh, the food in Bengal uh, was very off-putting off what was cooked in my grandmom's kitchen because everything was with mustard, mustard yeah, oil. Yeah. And mustard oil has a very um, unique smell of itself, just as coconut oil. So yes. you either take to it or not. I, I think till my late or maybe early 40s, I would not eat food made with mustard oil or cook with it. But now I do. Oh, wow. So, you know, when when Indians go to Bangkok, they feel that, you know, this fish sauce smell is a bit overpowering. So, so that's one. There are very, very few dishes, like maybe like a tomato chutney or something where mustard seeds might be used whole, mm -hmm. uh, unlike in the west or south of India where it's used for the tarka. So yeah. we, we, what, what is tarka is a tempering, we call it foron. So we, okay. we never put whole mustard in it. Now there are some dishes where mustard paste, so shoshe bata is put into it, like in certain fish curries or certain uh, weight and dishes and so on. But but again, not much. all matcha joles have mustard in it. Okay. And kashundi. Now, kashundi is a very interesting thing because kashundi is actually sauce, a condiment. So it's it's a bit like saying that tomato ketchup goes into all of Western food because you serve it on the side with a ah. sandwich or, or stuff like that. But it's a very pungent and spicy uh, Bengali thing. So, you know, you might have it with cutlets or uh, like the Parsi cutlets. I mean, not yeah. the Western cutlet yeah. or chops and stuff like that. Um, you know, you can also add it to muri, which is made for jhalmuri, kurmura, melpuri, with mustard, kashandil, mix and have it. Now, what has happened is, uh, I think chefs across India, I think about five, six years back, sort of uh, discovered kasundi And they started doing kasundi flavor thing. And I must say that sometimes at home, I use kasundi flavor as well, because I'm married to a Parsi. And she can't uh, handle the very strong pungent mustard thing. It's so much I more mellow. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus a thick mustard gravy. So what I do is it also saves me efforts in so grinding mustard. So I cheat a bit and use uh, kasundi instead of using a mustard paste when I'm making a mustard-based dish. There's also a fish paturi, which is a steamed 
thing which which is like the patani machi except the green yes, chutney yes. freshwater fish and mustard paste and chili paste is used but not all bengali dishes and even yeah. if it's used is either used either as oil or in a powder paste form powder with water mustard is not used in uh, all bengali food and uh, yeah. we bengalis believe that netaji is still alive so <laughs> these are these are the, uh, these are the two which, <laughs> and um, of course there was no greater cricketer than saurav ganguly Uh, uh, but of to, course <laughs> so that's really interesting because i honestly thought kashundi was just a paste that you used in everything but i think the the minute you described it as uh, putting ketchup in things is when it's sort of uh, it's you sort of understand you know, yeah you know, i would imagine you know i i am uh, quite a liberal but people who are like uh, hardcore bengali people yeah. uh, you know if, if they if you say that kashundi is in Bengali food. They'll straight away say, "Send Mamta Banerjee to the parliament to protest about it." And with good reason, I suppose. You know, it's it's not what's supposed to be done. So you also mentioned um, river fish, and I find yes. that interesting because you know you're really breaking all the myths. Like I had, I have a list of questions, and you're really just going into it. I love this. So my question was going to be that. as a non bengali or someone who's not familiar with the cuisine we always think it's all fish and rice fish and rice and that's it and then it also has to be only betki or ilish otherwise it's just not a bengali dish but you just said that it's not seafood it's only river fish so can you elaborate a little bit because i know that there are also prawns in it but yes, maybe not yes. seafood when we say say perhaps squid or an array of fish is that correct Yeah, so uh, so prawns are very much part of Bengali cuisine, but uh, prawns also live in the river. So so yeah. we swear by river prawns. Like even when I buy prawns in the car market in Mumbai, then I tell Poonam that I have Nadi wala prawns, river river wala prawns. And they're sweeter, right? There is a distinct yes, yes, difference. Different, sweeter, more fleshy, you know. Mm-hmm. And and if you cook them properly, they don't really get rubbery. it's the this so uh, again a traditional bengali not me but a traditional bengali will refuse to eat uh, fish from the sea because they say that <laughs> it's, it's it's got a smell uh, like yeah. recently i took betki from a grandmom she said okay but it's smelly so it's smelly it gives them acidity and so on and and i cringe when bengali restaurants uh, or or people writing about bengali food say sea fish and bengali restaurants themselves do that because you know seafood because you know that's easier to explain to people like Say if you're in another city, I'm saying the river water fish. What is river? So seafood, but actually it's really river water fish. And within that also there's a distinction between the two Bengal's, which is west, which is part of India, and, mm-hmm. and east, which is uh, Bangladesh. Um, uh, Bangladesh now. So Bangladesh has a richer, um, you know, variety of uh, number of rivers. So there was far more fish available over there, and therefore there's more um, the more dishes which are choice. made with. yeah and more dishes made with fish from people from the east versus in the uh, west now betki and ilish is like saying that parsi food which is all about patani machhi and fish and that's it yeah you know, there's there's, yeah. there's no sasti machhi there's no bumla there's no nothing because ilish is our equivalent of pomfret it's you know the most uh, loved revered fish in yeah. the east so we have two football teams mohan bagan and east bengal east bengal represents the east of bengal but it's okay. indian mohan bagan is west so it says that you know when mohan bagan wins a match then the price of prawns go up because you know in the west uh, <laughs> bengal they all love prawns east bengal wins the price of ilish goes up but ilish is a seasonal fish is expensive betki yeah. is e- basically an equivalent of how ravas used to be used in um, mumbai before basa took over which ah. is like a fish uh, used for western and chinese preparations so okay. the chidi fish in bengal would be made with betki or um, you know the cutlets and uh, fish kobirajis and all that would be made with betki it's not a fish had too much uh, uh, at home but now like five star hotels and all that prefer to keep it because it's it's more standardized it's the supply of that yeah so now bengali fish can be divided into two fish which is boro and choto so boro mm-hmm. is a big fish the katamas like imagine a big surmai and you slice it yeah. and choto is an equivalent of a small boy so we we have our boy which is called instantly parshe parshe okay so okay. so uh, you know there, there's this entire array of smaller fish which you'll never see in restaurants because in the restaurants are all about the big fish like katla uh, and rohu yeah. which are cousins and and chitol which is again comes from the east of bengal and and uh, prawns and mm-hmm. and that's what you'll see in weddings also 
But yeah. there's this entire array of this thing, and you know, there's this myth about all Bengali men or uh, loving fish but i know a lot of bengali men including everyone in our family my brother my uncle we we love to buy fish and we love to eat meat it's it's, it's <laughs> fish is not that exciting but so you're uh, a great fishmonger but you don't necessarily <laughs> want to eat it yes but surprisingly whatever the women who are much smarter so they will say yeah yeah why will you want to go for this choto fish because the smaller fish has more bones and all that but there's so many of them so you know there's putimas there's parshimas there's pabdamas which is on the bigger side there are many more uh, smaller fish then there's magur which is like a catfish and and stuff like that and i'll tell you a quick funny incident so when i first got uh, when i got married and we went to calcutta uh, and can ask my wife went with me so you know there was a family get together cooking gani and all that and for all of us there was katlamas the big fish and all that and there was some small fish on the side and uh, they asked can us that you want to have it and and she loves fish she loves it far more than i did and she ate everything wiped off the bones and stuff and <laughs> and uh, then they knew that uh, you know i'd made the right choice you've married so, well yeah because you know when i i would go to calcutta they would never put never buy that fish because they'd never have it canas goes and polishes it so i buy all of that for her here <laughs> but uh, there are many many uh, this thing and freshwater fish you know so most bengalis will not touch sea fish yeah i mean you don't even need the sea fish right because there's so much bounty in the river and uh, it's delicious so you probably grown up generations yes. eating that yes. you don't need anything else you develop a taste plus yeah that. plus plus see if you see uh, i mean all these things which people talk of now which is uh, eat local and all of that that's always been a tradition of india so if there's no sea around you except in places like diga or you know was mandarmani or a few places like that where's the sea fish going to come from sure. when you've got ponds around you rivers around you where the do now a lot of the roe katla comes from farmed uh, from uh, from andhra pradesh for more than 10 15 years now but uh, you know you, you get what i'm saying Yeah. And now you know, like everywhere else, even in Calcutta, Basa has taken over. So which is which is really sad. But, but I suppose yeah. that had to happen at some point. But if you if you're a traditionalist, like you said, uh, you know, you're not going to touch that. You're only going to eat the river fish. So we've spoken so much about fish, and then um, I know you even mentioned meat. You're you're not a fish eater, and you're a meat eater. No, I but, eat fish, but. Well, it's not your favorite, but the question really is: What do you do if you want to eat Bengali food and you don't eat any meat? Um, what's it like for the vegetarians? Oh, it's a it's a it's a wonderful uh, you know life for the vegetarians, and uh, and and as I'm growing older, I'm I'm learning to uh, appreciate that. You're learning and, to uh, eat your vegetables. <laughs> yes, yes, including things which I never touched as a as a kid. But, yeah, I uh, I know the, that feeling. <laughs> really, it's funny, huh? You grow older, and then yeah. you're like, "Hmm, this is actually quite nice." And your mother just looks at you and rolls her eyes. <laughs> True. There's actually a lot of Bengali food, um, vegetarian food in the Bengali cuisine, and some of this is sort of ascribed to the widows because till a mm. century back, or even fifty years back, uh, once, uh, especially the upper class widows, after the husband passed away, which would often be at a young age because it would be a lot of child remarriage. So there's a lot of excreta going around. I won't say. Shit, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. But, you can uh, say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, and also I was having a chat with Abhijit Banerjee, the the Nobel Prize winner, who's recently written this book. That if you look at vegetarian food or Indian food, Indian non-veg, and not just Bengal, but in various parts of the country, if you if you look at a Bengali meal, a standard meal, huh? not a wedding meal or something, but yeah. an everyday meal, then. I would say that eighty to eighty-five percent of it is actually vegetarian because you've got the rice first of all. Sure. Then there will be a dal. Then there'll yeah. be a bhaja, vegetable bhaja, which will be a fry. Then there could be a shukto, which is like an appetizer, which is like a stew with bitters. So it happens. Uh, this thing. Then there could be a chauchuri, which is like a you know a sauteed vegetable slow cook. Then mm-hmm. there could be a tarkari, which is like a like Green a curry vegetable. Yeah. Curry vegetable. No, not not tarkari in the Gujarati sense, which is beef. Oh, okay. A okay. tarkari would would be like a you know a tarkari or dalna would be like a curried vegetable, mm-hmm. and then there would be the protein, which is if there's no fish at home, it would be an egg, you know. Uh, otherwise, it would be a fish, and and on a special occasion on a Sunday or whatever things are changing now, it would be meat, which is earlier mutton. Mm-hmm. Only from the nineties, it's been. Chicken. Chicken. So it's yeah. a bit like uh, you know when I went to Kyoto and had the kaiseki meal, like fish or or the the wagyu beef and all that was only one part of the meal. So now it's very easy if you if you're not fussed about going to a restaurant when non-veg is cooked, 
like if you're not that sort of vegetarian correct then it's very easy to go to a vegetarian restaurant not have the non veg and mm. eat very very well you know yeah. and and, I mean, and, you- and in a vegetarian restaurant for in bengali restaurant it'll be slightly the top if front someone calls you home and cooks vegetarian food for you it will be like poetry because there's so much subtlety to it Oh, that's lovely, and you're right because yeah. even when you mentioned like a standard meal, uh, I think you rattled off maybe eight or nine dishes out of which only one or two had meat. Exactly, exactly. Is this that we don't eat it as a thali because we eat course by course? So you know, in one of the questions earlier, you mentioned Chinese food, and I love that because I wanted to talk about Kolkata Chinese. Now I know everyone is familiar with Indian Chinese or Desi Chinese. We like to call it Chindian, which is like this. lovely concoction of things we think people in china eat but i know that kolkata has its very own unique chinese food so could you talk us through tangra cuisine and exactly how it came about should i break some more myths oh always so, always I, I, this is what the episode is for yeah i i get uh, so tangra is the kasumbi of calcutta chinese outside of calcutta so oh, wow uh, you know the earliest chinese settlement in india which goes back to about 200 years was was in calcutta no doubt mm-hmm. and then uh, there there were it's about 100 years back that a few restaurants uh, opened one or two of them are still there like yuchu for example mm-hmm. and uh, these were largely in this area which is near tireti bazaar if you go by the metro is the chadni chowk sort of area central avenue yeah. uh, so these were the the shahe paras like these are the place where the british used to stay and okay. that's where the original chinese eating houses had uh, come up by the time i was in college which was in the early 90s couple of decades before you were born really not but okay <laughs> Listen, I'm. I'm just trying to make sure that you get a good profile of mine, and you have to butter up the interview and all this. So, so no, but but jokes apart. So when I was in college, which was um, the early nineties, ninety two to ninety five, so at that time there were these old Chinese eateries which were in that Chadni Chowk area, which I told you. But yeah. that's where people uh, who used to work would like it was near Dalhousie, which is our equivalent of Fort. The newspaper offices of the ABP statesmen, so they would yeah. go and eat there. and and for family outings you would go either to park street where there were chinese places uh, or or park sakkas where there was jimmy's kitchen there's a place called embassy which is again near abindu southern there was no tanga right tanga okay. was just like an area which was where there were tanneries and stuff like that and there was the uh, there was this sort of marshland which would stink like hell and uh, this thing then when we were uh, you know finishing college then one heard of this place you know when one was doing one's mba The ninety-five, ninety-seven. So that's when one heard of this place called Tangra, where there were these sort of small eateries where you could go and eat and drink a lot. Okay. And there were two parallel things happening. So before that, at the same time, at a place called Elgin Road, there were a lot of Tibetans mm-hmm. who were opening eateries, which were in houses. You know, nowadays like Doma Wang and Darjeeling, correct? Uh, Say so Blue Poppy is very famous, but at that time there were a lot of these little within houses like Tibetan families, and those didn't have liquor licenses. So that's why we students would go for momo and the free pork soup, which would come with it, and tukpa and all that. So uh, Tangra was where you know the guys in college who used to drink a lot and all that. I I wasn't. I was a very bad student. So <laughs> they would go there. So families wouldn't go there. Yeah. Then uh, when I started working and I went back, then uh, you know it became a bit more respectable. So I took my mom and younger brother there, and we went to a Chinese place over there, and everything was so horribly salty. Oh dear. Then uh, you know I went back a few years later when I. Uh, you know, became a food writer, blogger, and uh, you know, for me then it was more research. So I went to this Tibetan bazaar where people talk of breakfast. Where with a DSLR, if you take some very tight angles, you might get two or three Chinese people, uh, you know, with Mongol-like yeah. features, and you will think it's a China bazaar. If you pan out, it's it's all Bengalis selling, you know, kachoris and flower gardens and this that. So it's a big hoax. The Tibetan bazaar was there at one point. Right now, you'd never go there. Okay. okay. Now, when I went to Tangra with a college friend of mine to, with this place, she recommended. She also told me, "Now is this a place to go and drink? The food was god awful. You have to really find one or two places which might do good food. I'm not saying there's no place which doesn't, but yeah. it's just a place where people go to drink. And you know what happens when places which go to drink, like the lunchrooms, Mangalorean lunchrooms, so everything is deep fried, everything is a lot of color, a lot has a lot of ajinomoto. Yes. So so and so that in the last few years, when I've gone back to Chinese restaurants. Like Tung Nam and Yu Chao and you know barbecue and all of that. I mean, 
I've, I've, I've really regretted it because, you know, anything's over fried or color, Ajinomoto. I've had, the only time I get heartburn, like if I have biryani, I get indigestion, a bit of gas, yeah. of the cola and that goes. But the last time I ate at Pungdam and I was staying at the Oberoi at night, I had this severe heartburn, like someone's hitting me with a dagger. So oh, I took wow. this little milk, you know, thing with the yeah. coffee thing. I didn't have time to call room service. I just kept popping it. Oh, and, and you know, uh, you know, all of us from Calcutta who came into Bombay in the early 2000s, late 90s, we used to be very proud of our Chinese food. Then yeah. I found out about links. Then I introduced them <laughs> to links. Now we all swear by links. And, yeah, and, that's uh, just the holy grail. And, and I had a debate with my editor when I wrote my book, The Traveling Belly, and then because there was something we had to leave out, something we had to do this thing. And, and, I, and I held my ground and didn't write about Chinese food over there while she said it's so famous. Because I would not recommend anyone to go and eat uh, Chinese food in Calcutta unless you're there for three weeks and you've exhausted yeah. all the other stuff which is there to eat. And, and Tangra is, is just like... Is a it just a no? Name. Imagine that if you are defining Parsi food with no disrespect to them, uh, as soda bottle opener wala. Yeah. You know, because you know, soda bottle opener wala yeah. has you know, yeah. national presence, it has branding, it has this and that's really yeah, the right? best. Yeah, it's that's really the best. Yeah, way. And it is it is not Irani. And no, he's not. Is, uh, yeah. no, he's <laughs> yeah. not. So I mean uh, no disrespect, but it's just to yeah. sort of give you the analogy. Yeah. So, but having said that, would you say that there is still good Chinese food in Bengal or in Kolkata? Even no, like... first of all, it's, a, it's it's first of all, it's Calcutta because Bengal not really, but a yeah, lot it's of, only in the lot, city. But I've seen a lot of old towns like Jamshedpur or even Lucknow and all of that. All these towns would have uh, in the center, city center, one Chinese restaurant which would be from a Chinese family from Calcutta, and in seventies and eighties, everyone would go there and eat this French yeah. Chinese in Jamshedpur. Which, yeah. is, which is really lovely. Uh, the pork over there is better than any I've had in Calcutta. JJ Irani's wife was very happy when I told her I went there. So um, I believe there are one or two home chefs now. Well, I think a lady named Catherine, mm-hmm. who's now, uh, who's uh, Cantonese and, and, and she's doing um, Chinese food at home. I'm told uh, by people whom I have no reason to uh, question that she is doing good Chinese food. Yeah. But honestly, like, I mean, I, I would... Not it's not to, something you recommend. I wouldn't say that go to Calcutta for Chinese food anymore because it's it's more now like um, a drinking man's Chinese. Yeah. And, yeah. and, a, and a Bengali drinking man's Chinese. Not a, <laughs> no, Fair no, enough. No, no. Fair enough. Okay, so it, I love that you mentioned biryani because that's, you know, that, that, that one dish that everyone sort of fights over. So in the battle of biryanis, where do you think the Kolkata biryani stands and what makes it so unique or different from other biryanis? Apart, of course, from the inclusion of potatoes, which I think is wonderful because uh, I think potato might be my favorite vegetable and I'm going to call it a vegetable. So you understand how much I like uh, all this. Yeah, but I, you know, and it's funny, I remember when I, I've been to Calcutta just once or twice, um, so not uh, that familiar with it, but I know everybody told me to go to Arsalan. Um, I think that's the place. And it was just so different because I said, okay, this is the biryani and now I'm from Mumbai, Bombay, and uh, I... I don't know what I was expecting, but uh, he gave me a plate, which was like a mound of rice and um, one lovely massive potato. And then I was like, but where's the meat? And it was just this yellow rice, like a pale yellow rice. And I don't know whether I was meant to be impressed or um, not. I just didn't know. So please explain um, Kolkata biryani. And is, is it your favorite? Well, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you've described it very well, except under that amount of rice, there would be a tiny piece of mutton. Yes, tiny. Emphasis sort of, is yeah. on the tiny. And I got yeah, a lot yes. of bones. And, and, and unless, unless you uh, fl- fl- fluttered your eyelids and all this at the waiter and said, or I do that also, saying that please <laughs> give me a nice piece of mutton. Uh, it'll be like, uh, you know, harder than, tougher than titanium. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yes. So uh, oh, I think Kalyan, we might uh, upset a few of your brethren uh, <laughs> <laughs> listening in. Whoever really loves a Kolkata biryani well, might so, come you for know, us. You know, like Suketa, Suketu Mehta, who wrote uh, you know, Maximum City and never came back to Mumbai. So <laughs> after this interview, <laughs> yeah. it'd be the same like me. No, but see, seriously, I mean, uh, first of all, when people have realized this thing that 
when people ask me what's the best place to eat biryani i ask you what's your choice of biryani because yeah. it it really depends a lot on what you've grown up on so for example when the first time i went to lucky in bandra my pg auntie sent me there for non veg and i ordered biryani and i was like what is this i mean first of all why is there so much <laughs> mutton why is the why is the rice why are the potatoes so hard why is the price yeah. twice and yeah. why is the curry why is the masala yeah so yeah. so uh, yeah so it's very different there's a debate about whether the calcutta biryani is a pulao or not i mean people like purush or uh, kunal would say that it's a pulao it <laughs> it actually comes from the avadi pulao you know mm-hmm. it's uh, the, the the there's also like uh, there there's um, other things as well like the tahiri and so on which which comes from bangladesh but the main calcutta biryani is the avadi pulao which came to uh, calcutta with wajid ali shah and then the legend goes that potatoes were added depending on which side of the debate you are it will say that it was added because meat was expensive uh, if you want to say nice things about the nawab you'd say that he added it because it was the asparagus and broccoli and zucchini of his time an exotic vegetable but that apart what happened was that biryani became a dish of the masses with with the cooks going out and they would initially make it in commercial areas and you know people would go there to eat so it's a bit like the keema pav phenomena of uh, mumbai see calcutta is a cheaper city than mumbai oh and, very uh, much so people yeah and people are not as well off as they are in mumbai and, and if you look at like street food across the world and you've traveled quite a bit and you've had that as well is that it's always high on carb and yeah. and low on protein because protein is more expensive so therefore there'll be a lot of rice which will be less rice than if you go and order a biryani in hyderabad or uh, andhra or something like that because they can out rice us any day but yeah. but it's really for so for us the joy of the biryani is like what he said the pale yellow colored rice or purush calls it a perfumed rice but for us the joy is in the the subtlety of the flavors in the rice mm-hmm. so which is why in a mumbai biryani where there's a lot of masala that puts us off and, yeah. and i can understand why you might correct. use some masala correct correct yeah then it's the potato with the potato has to be like squishy like lucky or a jafar bhai's potatoes is like little pieces kept at the bottom so that yeah. the, the rice doesn't burn but you know, yeah. the potato should be squishy and mash it in it and and that is what you largely eat your rice with because the mutton is one little piece but what correct. happened was that biryani became this unifier because you know calcutta the, these biryani places were run by muslims and even silla but calcutta is a place where with the british rule and all of that like everyone would go there to eat it was affordable uh, i've written about the fact that how when we were in college uh, it was the first place where we could go by ourselves to a sit down restaurant like yeah. you know when you go with family we'll go to chinese content and all that but without pocket money to a sit down restaurant would be a biryani place where you would order one biryani and it's a meal in yeah. itself sometimes if it's if you're on a date two of you might share it uh, yeah. also Then you'd, go for the, you'd, you'd go for the special then because then there will also be an egg and two pieces of mutton. Ah, so, okay. Um, so uh, again, and you spoke about Arsalan. So Arsalan is a comparatively newer one, now not new, but it it started after I left Calcutta. I mean, nothing to do with that. But my yeah. brother, who's younger than me, he likes Arsalan. People of my generation and older, more fond of uh, Shiraz was the gold standard, mm-hmm. and uh, Armenia. Then uh, then this place was Ayla. Uh, or Alia. Uh, very yeah. recently, in my recent trip, I ordered from Shiraz to Swiggy. I was very disappointed. The button and all that was <laughs> tough. But when oh, I go dear. to Armenia, I can still sort of have a good meal. So there are uh, other alternatives now. There's Manzilat Fatima, uh, who comes from Wajid Ali Shah's uh, family, mm-hmm. uh, granddaughter descendant. He had many grandchildren, of course. Uh, But are you so, are you a fan of the Kolkata biryani? Yeah, personally? so I'm a fan of the Kolkata biryani, but. But not when it's not the, titanium uh, mutton, uh, yeah. So, so you know, when I go to Armenia, I will speak in a slightly accented Hindi thing. Thoda acha, cha cha, thoda acha mutton dijiye, and they'll figure out that now I'm an outsider. Yeah. yeah. And earlier, you know, one would go with a DSLR. That was a like passport to dead giveaway. Now everyone takes away ca- camera, so yeah, you know. And and they one or two new. So so Manzilat uh, delivers, and uh, she also has a terrace where you can book and go and eat. So it's the Calcutta biryani, but the way it's made in someone's home, you mm. know. So it's the same difference between a dhansak had yeah. cooked in your house on by yeah. you uh, now uh, versus <laughs> say at a military cafe or a yeah. uh, you know Excelsior yeah. cafe or something. And uh, people talk a lot of this new place called Hangla Therium. There's also one thing called uh, uh, Handi biryani, and I've had their stuff when they just opened. So that is also considered to be good. The so there are places, yeah, there are places which are. Yeah, but, are... but to get a feel of you know Calcutta, 
you should go to Armenia or, or you know, in Central Market and, and stuff like that, or you should go to Shiraz for the breakfast. That's a different flavor. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for me, my favorite biryani is uh, the Calcutta biryani. And uh, now if I was going to go to my absolute favorite, it would be the Dampuk Tawadi biryani, which is the, in a way the grandfather of the Calcutta biryani, but very different price range. I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah, but, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, good but, food is good. Yeah, food. yeah. So, and and my closest second option to the Calcutta biryani is the Parsi wedding pulao dal because yeah. that pulao <laughs> which you guys make, no, it's very very is very similar to. If, so very, if you yes. if you try to make the connection, you'll find a similarity there. That's but but biryani has taken over Calcutta. Like when I went to Calcutta now after two years because of the pandemic, I saw that the most number of restaurants which have come up now belong of, and I'm just going by what I saw on the roads and I traveled quite a bit is either biryani places mm-hmm. or Punjabi places. Yeah. So this is what seems to have taken over Calcutta. I think now. it's also just easier, right? Because a biryani really is that one pot meal. And like you said, yes, yes, full, it's, it's, it's cheap, it's affordable, it, it's got flavor, it's got rice, it's got protein, carb, yeah, it, you know, it ticks yeah. all the boxes. So it really does work. Now, I know Bengalis have a massive sweet tooth. Um, in fact, it's always like mithai or mishti doi or sweet yogurt and things like that. And I remember even from my uh, one or two trips to Calcutta, I, I just wanted to walk into a sweet shop and I was just so overwhelmed by how many things there are. So I just wanted to ask you, what are some of like the popular sweet treats that you find in a Bengali home? Yeah, so it's, it's a bit like the diabetes capital of India, but uh, you said sweet shops are everywhere. So they're the famous sweet shops as well as in every nook and corner mm-hmm. as its uh, local uh, sweet shop. Like imagine the road where you stay in having three sweet shops. Like where I stayed in, there must have been at least five or six. The sweets at any given point in my time, it was like, you know, ranging between 50% to two and a half rupees. Now, obviously it's more. Yeah. Two and a half would be very expensive then. Wow. But what I'm saying is that it's very cheap. Mm-hmm. So in Calcutta or Bengal, very few people make sweets at home. So that's under the mid busted. Okay. I mean, it's okay. only if you live away from this thing. But that too now in Bengal, Bombay, Delhi and all yeah. of that. Bangalore, abroad, New York, you have sweet shops. So, so you don't make sweets at home because um, the effort required versus the oh, cost of buying it outside. Yeah. Uh, unlike, say, the West where there's a you know, baking tradition at home. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's one thing. But there are sweet treats made at home. It's not that they aren't. But the sweet treat made at home is the payesh. So, mm-hmm. so there could be, which, which is called khir in the rest of India. So there's a chaler payesh, which is made with yeah. rice. So or rice we have a, Yeah, or there's a shuji payesh, which is the equivalent of uh, Parsi ravo. Mm-hmm. But ravo is where there's less milk, I think. But there's also more yeah. milky version. So yeah. these are normally the hourly equivalents of a birthday birth, uh, birthday cake. So this is what... Yeah, something you'd birthday. make on a good occasion. Yeah, so, and then the pites, which is like a crepe, a sweet crepe rolled up version okay. with the rice batter thing and inside there might be coconut and stuff like that so this is what's made at home for bengali sweets including mishti doi you have okay. to go to a shop okay you know, so mitai and yeah, yeah so Mishti's, sondesh and things yeah, like even that, re- yeah. even bengali restaurants yeah. uh like uh, some of them which are like now restaurants not like eateries yeah and they would have a desert section but they outsource must be i guess it's just yeah. so much easier to do that fantastic yeah. Okay, so I know that, you know, we have street food everywhere. And I think um, I'd love to say we're a country that has great street food at every nook and corner. So what is Kolkata street food like? I know you mentioned Jalmuri, which is a Kolkata version of the Bhilpuri, but minus any chutney, if I'm not mistaken. It's not wet, right? Like unless you add a bit of kashundi to it. No, no, no. No no one adds kashundi to it. Uh, I mean, you Jamuri mentioned is, you could have. Yeah. You mentioned that No, earlier. no, that is Muri, but just by itself. You ah, know, you okay. had at home. In fact, there was this widowed uh, elderly aunt in our family. She used to have jhal muri with, uh, sorry, muri with kashundi, maybe okay. some onions. But listen, uh, uh, you know, I might have pissed off a few uh, fellow Bengalis earlier, but I'm, I'm going to make a good comeback here. But <laughs> that the street food which we have is is uh, amazing. And that's what we missed. It's phenomenal. Because street food is hard to uh, replicate at home. Yeah. So um, I think the most popular street food uh, thing is the fuchka versus the equivalent yeah. of pani puri. Do you say fuchka the... or do you say puchka? You know, I don't know. I, you know, I've grown up uh, <laughs> into a fuchka. Now I've heard people saying fuchka. Yeah, because uh, they spell some, it with some a people... P. No, it's, I, I would spell it with a P-H. 
you know ah, okay. having said that um, i am not the ultimate authority in yeah. in bengali or bangla as a language i picked up later let me just say that i've i've never grown up hearing anyone say puchka okay it could be puchka you know we are yeah. you know people who are short we used to call them puchke puchke you know, a, you know a tiny taster would be a puchki 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 taster Are you going to call me that the next time? Yeah, puchki, puchki, puchki. Yeah, yeah, seriously, seriously, you know, puchka, puchki, puchki, and puchka is how we like sort of tease shorties yeah. in school, you know. Yeah. yeah but But either way, puchka or fuchka, it is. Yeah, it's, it's completely it's... different because it's uh, there. There is maida and rava in making the puri, so it's it's okay. it's not hard. It 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 doesn't stay beyond the day. It's in you know, a humidity doesn't stay. Yeah. There is no sweet pani in it. Or nowadays, some people would, but it's tamarind, it's chili, it's mashed potato, not mm-hmm. potato pieces. There's no ragra bundi nonsense. Okay. There's no onion. There <laughs> could be some chana, and 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 that's it. So that's the one which is most tempting. Then yeah. the Calcutta equivalent of a chaat is something which the Puchkawalas sell, which is a churmur, which Chum. uh, okay. which a famous Indian uh, chef today will call it as a deconstructed puchka and put it up and charge thousand rupees for it. But it's basically oh, a sal leaf. they'll mm-hmm. take fuchkas crush it add some potato crush it add some chutney crush it and give it to you so that's something which you carry with you when you eat at the end so that's a deconstructed fuchka i mean wait till it comes an indian accent or tangled i'm sure or like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah then then uh, calcutta lives on its rolls you know the you know yes. we say patti rolls because it initially started as kebabs made in patties but as it spread across the city and and just like vada pavs were set up by unemployed maharashtrian youth in the 70s Uh, so a lot of unemployed bengali youth which happened post uh, you know the bangladesh war and refugees and so on set up uh, roll shops and and meat was expensive right so so yeah. egg rolls became the thing uh, and and uh, egg roll is what i've grown up on like you know mutton roll chicken roll would be a treat mutton roll mother strongly believed was dog meat so we're not <laughs> supposed to have it uh, but but chicken would be a, like a treat so egg rolls is like You know, office goers, this that, and for Bengalis, it's a snack. Uh, yeah. A roll is never a meal. Like it's not lunch or dinner. Like it yeah. is for a lot of other. Then there's jhal muri, but that's uh, that's uh, kurumura with mustard oil, onion, cucumber, bit of dalmut, which is spicy for sun, and yeah. uh, lime juice. It's wet, but it's not drenched. Yeah, so, it's not got yeah, chutney and, and per se. Yeah, yeah, it's not got. Uh, yeah. chutney it'll have pieces of coconut in it yeah. then there's dalwaras then there's chinese chinese comes 90s. under street food in the late 90s in the roll shops mm-hmm. they started making chow mein on the same roll ka tawa ah, they okay. would stir fry noodles and put in tomato sauce haldi uh, this thing and the same masala which would go into a mutton roll yeah tasted and lots and lots of ajinomoto like patak for 5 rupees <laughs> veg chow mein so so now in all the office paras like people would have chinese then french toast Uh, which is uh, the savory you know, the savory one mm-hmm. uh, yeah is what you would get in the office paras again you know they on a little uh, stoves cold stoves yeah. yeah. there would be a small pan into which they put the bread they put the egg and yeah. then the onion chilies and that's when it was sarif and i was uh, stunned by it when i came from england where french toast is something else yeah. and i love it so all right. of these the then the chops and cutlets and a lot of this has come from the british portuguese Yeah. Uh, to the uh, to the clubs cabins and but it all gets uh, sort of clubbed under street food it is stuff that under you will get and, on and, the street food and 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 if you sort of uh, think of it that way that is actually a world street food festival which goes on in calcutta yeah. because there are influences from europe there are influences yeah. from uh, you know persia influences from up like the charts and all of that fuchkas have come from there samosas yeah. have come from there now there are dalwaris which have come from the south so um It's a lovely combination. Uh, in fact, if you think of Bengali street food, the pure pure Bengali thing would be like the pickles, which are made with mango or with mm-hmm. cool, which is topka. So uh, rest of it is an amalgamation. Uh, and so that's it's, lovely. It's really but, a world right? cuisine over there. Yeah, you know, it's it's beautiful. It's it's so just beautiful. You've been talking me through this whole and then, cuisine. And then there's kachoris and aloo <laughs> and yeah, you know, I, I I need a whole podcast on street food. So I think we should do a Bengali street food podcast um, yes, separately. Yes, yes. We're going to do yes, that. Yes. I think it'll be yes, fun yes, yes, yes. for sure. Listen, get a get a good luxury hotel and a you know a premium class airline to sort of sponsor it. We'll go there. We'll I stay think, in like and we'll do audio suites, individual <laughs> suites. We'll stay and then get out from our. Individual bathtubs. So My producer just people. put her hand up, saying, "I'm, and, I'm in for this." <laughs> she's okay. She, she, she can also get a, a, a deluxe room, and then we'll go to and hit the streets, 
and enjoy the street food, then come back to the spa. So that's, I, <laughs> I mean, this, this, I think this is fantastic. We're going to make this that's happen. A, that's a finally yeah. talked life. That's yeah. Whoever, life. whoever lis- is listening to this podcast, if you work Obedai in a hotel, you just, Marriott, yeah, just Obedai call us. Marriott, Vistara, Mr. Tata with Air India. Please do yeah. something. I think so. <laughs> Okay, so we've spoken so much about Bengali food and everything. I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite Bengali dish? Or so your comfort dish, you know, you sort of, what you turn to when everything is like lost. Okay. My comfort dish, and you could call it Bengali in a sense, is uh, Hakka noodles. So uh, when I was a kid, <laughs> then my mom used to make noodles for me because I didn't eat Bengali food. But but slowly sort of noodles take, took over Calcutta as well. And like I said, it's made in the streets and stuff like that and um and, and whenever i'm low or i want a food hit yeah. then uh, that's what i make but the other comfort dish would be the sunday chicken curry which is a lot like a margarine or ras mm-hmm. of the parsis like mm-hmm. no coconut it's onion and based and then it's a light curry with rice and also now that i'm growing older as a kid i refused to eat dal but now it's rice moong dal with a bit of alu bhaja Fish fry, but not so much elish as in like katla peti fry. Okay. Katla is the bigger rohu. Yeah. And, and you know, the peti is the fat, uh, sorry, the tummy. So crispy skin, crispy mm-hmm. crackling. And mm-hmm. below that, the fat. Ooh, like <laughs> elish is too much hard work. You know, picking up the white bones and all that. But uh, yeah. this and dal and rice. So that is... Uh, yeah, know, I, I have food. to agree with you. Huh? My yeah, comfort yeah. meal would be dal rice and some kind of fried fish. But not yeah. with too many bones. If there are too many yeah, bones, yeah, yeah. I just completely so, so get irritated. So the peti... Uh, this is a tip to keep in mind. Always ask for peti because peti is the stomach which has less bones in any fish ah, than, okay. the, than the gada which is the back. But a good okay. patla, uh, patla peti. And, and I also like making kitsri because it's uh, easy uh, to make. So I think these are my comfort dishes. Number one would be Chinese. Number two would be chicken curry rice. Lovely. And then dal rice and katla matswata. Lovely. Okay, so I like to ask this question. There's no real right or wrong answer. But if you had to pick one dish that you think really represents Bengali cuisine, what do you think that would be? I would pick the shukto. Uh, and so let me tell you what a shukto is. There's no one way of cooking a shukto, but it's, it's you can sort of briefly describe it as an appetizer made with vegetables, local seasonal uh, vegetables. And mm-hmm. this is a slow cooked one, slightly soupy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's had at the start of a dish and it's made both in East and West Bengal, but I think West has more richness to it and that's where I started liking it when I'd have it in restaurants I didn't like the ones which which were made in my house because we are from a Bengal uh, East Bengal sort of family but yeah. it, it really encapsulates the Bengali cooking philosophy because it it uses seasonal philosophy uh, vegetables it has a bitter element through karela so that's supposed to activate your appetizing juices yeah. appetite you know yeah. here people are telling you to fast intermittently but we eat intermittently so and with very little spices tons of flavors extracted yeah you know? so so if i was to say one dish which encapsulates the bengali cooking philosophy yeah. i would say shukto simply because you said one dish yeah so i would say i that. thought and you were going to say yeah i thought you were going to say kosha mangsho or you know the thing it's 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 kosha and not kosha Kosha, just, as it's, okay. just as it's Kolkata, not Kolkata. So it's it's, oh, okay. it's a bit confusing. So it's Kosha Mangsho. Secondly, Kosha Mangsho is not a home dish. We've grown up having Mangsho Jhol, which is again mm-hmm. a, uh, like gosh, Goshni Ras for Parsis, like a thin mm-hmm. curry. Kosha mm-hmm. Mangsho was something which was made a street food dish. It was made in the cabins. It was made in uh, weddings mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And then what happened is that when social media started and people like me and a whole lot of other people started cooking, calling friends and, and the initial bloggers blogging on Bengali food were from outside of India or outside of Bengal. Then Kosha Mangsha was a dish which is served to guests, right? Yeah. So, so that is the dish which I would make. Uh, then a patla curry because you think okay, patla is this thing. Then all restaurants would have it. And suddenly like uh, Kosha Mangsha became synonymous but it's something which when growing up you would only have in a wedding or something and in college in these cabins. Okay. So, uh, so it's like saying that Sasni Matsi is everyday Parsi Yeah, food, No, you know? fair enough. I, it, yeah, you know, yeah, for, yeah. just yeah. to understand that. But that's fantastic. So what does the future... But you're more likely to get Kosha Mangsho than Mangsho Jhol in a restaurant. Yeah, so okay. if you were to go to a restaurant and eat. Okay. Yeah. So what does the future hold for Kalyan? What's next in store for you? 
Yeah, so it's, it's something I've been giving a lot of thought of uh, over the last 19 months with the you know lockdown and stuff. And it just so happened that I came across the food of uh, home chefs and I was really excited by them. And you spoke of Maruk earlier. You, you are doing fabulous work yourself. I mean, who would have thought of uh, you as a home chef? Not, you, <laughs> no, yours, not me, not, not you. And not, not because she can't cook. It's just that yeah. she did other stuff. So yeah. I think that I'm, and I have always loved writing about the little people. Not the pooch yeah. case, but you know, the small <laughs> yeah, business owners. I suppose the people. underdog also. Yes, so the people speak. who don't have the money to, uh, you know, fly in people to go and eat in the yeah. restaurants and have champagne stories and stuff like that. Yeah. So in the beginning for me, it was more street food. But now I want to focus a lot on, I think, women because, uh, uh, and I, I know that women might say that you're a guy, what do you know and stuff like that. But uh, I sincerely feel that women are doing some fabulous job in the world of food. So I want to focus on that. And you're doing that on, currently. Your, yeah, um, your foodocracy, uh, foodocracy for her. For her. Is a uh, is something that you host on your uh, yeah, and I've been on your doing social it for media? Months and there's nothing which I've done so consistently in my life. So that I want to work with small entrepreneurs. I, I would I would like to sort of um, grow a bit more in the podcast and, and and video space. I want to write a book on cats. And and I think <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sort of done with um, you know the the new top chef, top trend, yeah. big yeah. restaurants or things because I'm been there and done that it's, done it's that. not to yeah. belittle them but there are enough people to write about them um, so true. you know so I, I i don't think it excites me that much I want, you know at this stage of my life i want to write about what excites me i think that's fabulous and i wish you the best luck I, so and much. i think you're thank doing you a so great much. job um thank i've you so seen much. your stuff i listen to your podcast by the way uh, thank you I, so I just much. plug it in whenever i'm cooking thank you so, so that's much. and it was such a pleasure interviewing you for my podcast <laughs> That was fun. Such, such fun. It was such, and now the tables fun. have turned. Huh? Are you yes, enjoying yes, this? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm absolutely enjoying this. I'm so yeah. glad. But thank you so much for doing this. This was wonderful. I know it's just a glimpse into the world of Bengali cuisine and we could go on and on and we should, but you know, it's a podcast. We want to try and restrict it a little bit. Maybe we will do another episode and do a little more deep dive into Bengali food or Bengali street food like we spoke about. But this was a fabulous introduction. If you want to know more about Kalyan and you want to know what he's up to, you can follow him on social media or you could read his extremely popular blog called The Finely Chopped. Thank you so much, Kalyan. This was fab. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can tune in every week for a brand new episode where I talk to another expert and delve into a different aspect of Indian cuisine. You can listen to more episodes of the Beyond Butter Chicken podcast on Spotify, Apple Music or any of your favorite podcast platforms. And make sure to follow us at Mammoth Media Publishing and The Tiny Taster for more updates. Until next time.